0: and mp3 downloads and now with this week's teaching Bishop Malcolm Smith the Lord be with you everyone and I want to share with you tonight um, it might be to some of you an old story old in the sense that we have visited here before but it has come alive to me in these last days So it's worth a revisit. It's 1 Samuel chapter 30. It's a little story of David. And verse 6 is where I want to end up anyway. Verse 6 says, Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Uh, that's that's the verse. where We're somewhere ending up there. The little story, it's just fitted in there. Um, David had been away from the town, I would call it more a village. It's where he and... Those who were, they're called his mighty men. They were his battle buddies. Those who would have died for David. And they, all of their families, they lived in this place. It was called Ziklag. And it was basically David's town. That's where his whole entourage lived together with their families. And he's been off on missions and now he returns and while he's been away, he has been, what shall I say, I would say he'd made some bad decisions when he left he left them, I mean it means leaving basically the wives, mothers and children grandmothers um, and, and some I'm sure there were some men there But the guard of that place was very sparse, and David had just left it and on his way. Now he returns. He and these men that I say again elsewhere in the Scripture, in in Chronicles especially, they're called his mighty men. They were his special ops. They were his navy seals but bound to David by covenant. It was a mighty fighting force when you put it together. And they're now returning, but they're returning exhausted. They've hardly slept. It's been physically exhausting, mentally draining, and emotionally, well, there is excitement there because they're going home. They're returning to their families, and they'll have a break And it's this, this combination of utter weariness coupled with the excitement of coming home. And and as they top a hill, and they know it's just over the next hill, and they'll be home, and they see just smoke in the air, Uh, not billowing smoke, it's sort of the afterburn of smoke. Something's happened, and now the wisps of smoke are there in the air beyond the next mountain where the village was. And a sudden horror grips them. Something's happened. There's too much smoke in the air. There's too much smell of charred wood. Something terrible has happened. And they speed their horses and try and overcome their exhaustion. Exhaustion. And as they come down into the village, it's deserted, not a soul in sight. It's a terrible sight. All the houses are charred and burned and still smoking, though the fire has gone out. And in the the center they see the hoof marks and the uh, shoe marks, uh, scuffles, you can see it all over the place drag marks as persons were dragged by their hair and as they look on the scene they know someone came while they were gone some force that overcame the village and have taken them captive at least we hope they've taken them captive otherwise they killed them can, can you imagine you came back in that exhausted state of mind, and now this, and, and they broke. It's amazing just to read it, that they, they broke. These, the mighty men, those who were mountains of strength, and they, they just couldn't take another thing. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. And, and of course these are Middle Eastern men who are not ashamed of their emotions and they begin to weep they're thinking of their wives and their children they're thinking of their hopes and their dreams and it's all gone up in flames and all they're left is with black charred skeletons of houses they can't take it anymore this is it, it's the last straw they weren't ready for it, they couldn't prepare for it and they turn and they look at David and what what on earth has happened. I say it again, these are his battle buddies, they're his closest friends. These are men who, in more than one occasion, recorded in scripture, were ready literally to lay down their lives for him. But there's something's gone wacko in their heads. It's they've broken somewhere deep inside and they turn toward David. And their look, and their muttering, it says it all, it's his fault, you say. He should have set a guard. He sh- he, he's the leader. He's the one that the Lord has already said would be the next king of Israel. Some king is he. Some leader. He didn't set a guard. He left our women and children to fend for themselves. That was the mood. You could cut it with a knife. Some are even fingering stones because that was the way today, in at least in, in the US, we call it a lynch mob. They're going to take justice into their own hands and stone him to death, life for a life. I, I, I don't know. I really don't know what had happened to these men who were bound covenant friends But it happened, and David is shaking with his own grief, and it says David wept, and they wept until they could weep no more, and as they did so, the anger rose within them. But David has this this double grief, it's not only that he's lost what they've lost. But he's watching the stones in their hands, he's watching the eyes, he's he's recognizing they're putting a distance between him and them, Uh, and it's that sinking feeling, not you, not you, this is grief on top of grief, this is weeping on top of weeping, that not only have I lost everything the same as you, but now my covenant friends have turned against me, not you. Great distress. That's the word it uses here, that they were greatly distressed. Distressed. That, that's a strong word in the Hebrew language of the Old Testament. An interesting word, too. Distress. It means, let, let me tell you how it's used. I mean, you'll come across these phrases in the Old Testament and might not realize it's the same word. This word, distress, elsewhere describes a canyon, you know, the the walls of rock. Only this canyon is getting narrower and narrower and as you walk through it, your shoulders are touching the side and then you have to pull your shoulders in because the canyon seems to be closing in on you. That word in Hebrew is distress, you get it? It means to be pressed on all sides. So another word would be cramped, I can't move, wherever I turn I'm being hemmed in, confined, no room to move around, no way forward, no way backward, okay? I I suppose a good word in modern English would be overwhelmed. I feel I'm drowning in these events. Distress—that's that's what. In fact, there is in the. I don't. Quite I don't know if it's in more modern versions, but there, there is a verse. I think it's in Isaiah in the older versions, older translations, which translate exactly what the Hebrew says, and it's this word, but it translates as your life has become a bed too short and a blanket too narrow. Now, there, there's a picture for you. I I I don't fit you see I don't fit I and my my legs are hanging over the end and I can't cover myself the blanket won't cover me so he says in life I I I I find myself hanging over because nothing fits I I, I can't get a hold on this I can't cover myself I can't protect myself I'm overwhelmed distressed that's that's it that's where they were They were distressed. All of their future plans had collapsed just in a few five minutes of seeing what they now saw. Hopes, dreams gone. And I say with their distress and with their unashamed sobbing, there rose anger. Anger mixed with fear of what has happened. Dark imaginations that could only picture something even worse than they were looking at, and always looking at David. It says that these men were embittered. That's an old English word, really. Don't use it much today, if at all. Embitter? It's a nasty word. Embittered. See, bitterness. It is not just unforgiveness. Bitterness is the gritted teeth that says I'll have my revenge and I'll mull it over, I'll think it, I'll imagine it, I'll taste it. My revenge will keep me alive. Embitterment. These were angry men. The the word (coughs) means it's got within it the idea of rebellion. I'm pushing back. Against this situation. It's even used in the scripture to describe disobedience. And you might remember the word obedient is not uh, just saying yes sir to a bunch of commands. The word obedience in the scripture is a translation of a word which means to listen. Listen from above. To hear. With a view to doing what you hear disobedience then is refusing to listen to above this is in my hands now and I'll do what I jolly well want to this is a nasty situation as these men look at David and beyond David you see they're seeing God uh, and they're saying you did this we're supposed to be covenant people you did this why, why does this have to happen to us and David, his representative, so I say they they're picking up their stones. It's a lynch mob. There there was there and don't misunderstand me, we've sold a lot of words to the new agers, good words that describe real things, and energy is one of them. You've got here, right in this story, is what I would call an energy field of despair. You, you It's it's in the air. It's a force that, that has gripped hold of these men and carrying them along almost beyond that they know what's happening. And, and David himself is caught up in that terrible energy field, um, surges of darkness surges of lies that God has abandoned you and you've lost everything along with the anger what was David doing at this time? well of course he too he was part of the overwhelm he's part of the distress he's caught in that same energy field and and. and, but but he's supposed to be the leader and of course everything that's happened falls on his shoulders and, and yet I see a David here that's paralyzed, most unlike David. This is not the David you meet elsewhere in the scripture. He he's sitting down in the middle of this disaster and he seems to be paralyzed with his grief. Have you ever been there, you know? You just can't take it anymore. The only word you can say is overwhelmed and tears flow, and anger rises all at the same time. And you seem paralyzed. It seems that your your brain has got brakes on it. Where's his leadership? There's no leadership. He's just sitting there, and uh, and the men are getting more angry by the minute. He's lost his ability for initiative. He, He seems to have a foggy mind. He doesn't know what to do. Where's your wisdom, David? Where's the David that we meet all over the Old Testament? No, he's not there right now. He doesn't know what to do. He seems to have lost his confidence and all he can do is weep and join in the atmosphere of distress. And where's his joy? The joy that leaps and dances through the Psalms. He, He seems to have lost that no joy here, he's, he's in distress, he's in darkness of mind his emotions have crashed you know how he feels uh, there would be guilt added to what the others might be feeling there's that guilt of I should have, I should have oh dear God I ought to have If only I had... You you know that? Round and around. Like some sick misery go round in the devil's playground. Around you go, around you go. And and you you come back very quickly to where you started. And off you go again. I I should have set a guard. I, I should have left some men behind. I should have. Oh, if only I had. And then comes the shame... And shame is, is, is identifying with the problem to the point where you see that yourself is it. It's not something you did, you, you are it, you see. So it moves to, I'm stupid. It moves to, I am unworthy, I'm no good. I'm not worthy to be the leader of this people and as to being king, forget it God must be crazy to have brought that up yeah, guilt and shame the meltdown drained to the point of empty, despair, depression crawling like a snake through his veins David the mighty David David the psalmist now sits with his head in his hands weeping and doesn't know what to do why Why, why does this keep going on I, I've got to ask that I mean David is not a schizophrenic this David is the David we meet elsewhere So, so why does he continue in this state of despair and hopelessness and fear why why so long you know the darkness Satan and and his demons however you look at that um, they hypnotize I don't know a better word because it's as if deep within there, there is a hellish lullaby that Drones and keeps on and keeps on and you 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 feel hypnotized by the darkness. You know it's there is no light. That's all an illusion. You never did know God. There is no light. If there was light, would this have happened? He goes on droning groaning inside of you there is no love of course there isn't that was all an illusion if God loved you why would he allow this 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 and there is no strength you're a poor weak useless character aren't you you know you are do you know what I'm talking about it's uh, and it's so what it's brilliant actually so much so we think it's our own thoughts we, we think this is the truth that we're meditating on as this awful lullaby of demonic and it's just singing it's, it's terrible off-key lullaby but, but it drones and it gets into our thoughts and it, it penetrates our emotions there is no light there is no light it was all illusion this is as good as it gets this is normal, you see. This is it. You were just in some other world when you thought all those other things. There is no love. God doesn't love you. You're just a creature. You're on your own. You're abandoned. There is no strength. There is no strength. You see, I call it again, this energy field of despair, and you're sucked into it. And it gets inside your head. It even gets inside your body and you feel weak. It's like being sucked down into a swamp and it doesn't matter what you do, you're being sucked down. Only in this case you hardly notice that it's happening. It's so subtle. And and, and you forget, and I use that term in the biblical sense, which is not amnesia, it means that the truth gets further and further away in your mind and it seems to be irrelevant and it's just out there somewhere and something else is now taking front. Huh. So that's it, David. I hope I'm not over-analyzing him, but at that time, and you've got to hear this, this, this is maybe the most important thing about at that time... It says, David strengthened himself in the Lord at that time. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but my experience of much preaching in early days of my Christian life was that, well, if if you've got yourself into that state, now it's going to take a couple of visits to the altar and howling and bawling and telling God what a wretch you are and how sorry you are and how you promise to read your Bible more and pray more and go to church more often and hopefully in two or three weeks' time you'll have self-hated yourself so much that now you can sort of resume a sort of Christian life. Oh, that is damnable religion. All right, right at that time, in the middle of that darkness, hypnotized by the tones of a hellish song that sung down deep in him, at that time, bam! He strengthened himself in the Lord. You see, because the way David was did not cause the Lord to abandon him. That again is legalistic heresy. God never gives up on you. God never walks away. You can be crawling at the bottom of the alleyway and all you can see is the mud and the darkness, but he hasn't left you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. I mean, when the sheep in the parable of Jesus went off into the wilderness, or I suppose the religious word of today would be backslid, or whatever that means. Uh, but uh, the, the sheep goes off into the wilderness. A sheep, mind you, it's not a stray animal. It was the sheep that belonged to the shepherd. He said, my sheep. So the sheep goes off into the wilderness. What does the shepherd do? scream out his disgust at the sheep and say you stupid animal you chose it you go there I'll be here if ever you repent and come back no no that's religion that's not Jesus Jesus said the shepherd plunged into the wilderness if the sheep backslides then the shepherd backslides with him he's not going to leave him he's going to get to where the sheep is and bring him home He never leaves, never forsakes, never, never, never. The Lord was there the whole time as David is writhing in this despair. The Lord is covenantally committed, which means I love you even if it kills me to do so, which is the meaning of the cross, isn't it? But so this word strength, strengthened himself in the Lord. Some of your versions say encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, whatever. Now, if you go and look at the Hebrew word here, the Hebrew word we translate as strengthened, which I mean is the union of two strengths or the stre- union of strength with weakness that strengthened but the Hebrew word you've got to get this this could change your life and I mean that the word strengthened means and is translated in the Bible as fastened upon you know what that, I mean grab it another word that translates this word is seize that is I I seize it you're sitting on the table there and I seize this Bible that's mine seize, grab, fasten upon it means to bind to these are very aggressive words actually they're almost violent words aren't they? strengthened himself in the Lord. And it's interesting that this word is also translated as repair, mend. It's also translated as fortify, build, build a fort. Do you see what this is saying? The Lord says to David, I am giving myself to you. I have never ceased to do that. I am everything you will ever need at all times, in all places, all situations and I am in my being giving myself to you. I am committed by my being as God to give myself to you. It's a done deal. You don't have to pray for that. That's the way he is. That's what he said he is doing now. And the response that the scripture tells us is ours is seize that, grab it. Don't, don't, don't you sit there. So you, you could translate this that at that time, David seized upon the Lord, David bound himself to the Lord. Even as the Lord had bound himself to David. Get it? That's what he's saying. And in so doing, a union took place. The strength of God became David's strength. The courage of God became David's courage, or N in courage. And in so doing, David was strengthened to become like a fort. He had fortified himself. And all that the darkness had sought to do was now repaired. Do you get the meaning of this word? Isn't it fantastic? David, in that darkness, realized the presence of the God who never left him. And in that moment, he changed his thoughts, his thoughts had been centered, been drawn in to that hideous drone of the darkness that you're abandoned and it's all over. And he changed his thoughts because we are responsible for every thought we think. He changed his thoughts and centered on that which he knew uh, but had strangely been drawn away to the sidelines now he centers up this is the truth the Lord is for me the Lord is with me he will never leave me and I center on. I grasp that I grasp it in contradiction to everything my senses are telling me I choose in the middle of this darkness to trust him and know that He is all that He says He is. He, He, David strengthened himself in the Lord. He did that. How you see? People would say, "Well, of course, if, if the Lord is in covenant with well, us, it isn't it? He, He just he, he is, and so you just sit back." No, because God is love and love think about this love can never impose itself love never forces the beloved or we call that rape God God doesn't God isn't a bully he's not the dictator his name is love not power We worship him who is almighty love, not just God almighty. By which I mean, God does not burst in, intrude into David at this time and says, get a life, man. I love you, I'm with you, now shut up. No, God isn't like that. Relationship demands two parties coming willingly, delightedly together. And so the Holy Spirit, in such a time, in the midst of that darkness, the Holy Spirit does not force us, He opens our eyes into that darkness he will shed his light and sometimes because of the intensity of the moment and darkness that light can just be a thin sliver of light but it's light and he speaks and sometimes the babble of other voices inside our head are so loud that his voice is but a still small voice But but he's, he's showing us the truth he's showing us the truth He's showing us things are not what they seem to be. The grace of God, and grace is the presence of the Holy Spirit in the act of enlightening us and giving to us. The grace of God now draws, and the energy field of the Holy Spirit is stronger than all the energy field of the darkness. And so he he draws us. It's his voice that says within us, Wake up! Remember who he is. Remember who you are. This shall not be. And we awake. And we take. We seize upon the vast love and strength and victory of the Lord. Do you get it? Strengthened himself, just didn't wait there and somehow let God do it. Because you see, some of you, I, I was one back in those most ancient days, we were just surrender, you see, just surrender. And that's why you could your your praying was so weak and ineffective, you never seized anything. it It was all a, a matter if it be your will. it's okay. I've got nothing to add to this. i I didn't even bring my feelings to this. It's just if it be your will. I surrender. I've entered into the most passive life. well, I'm sorry old chap you left the whole Bible behind you because the Bible centers upon this this reaching out and taking you see put it like this a gift can be put into your lap and there it is or it can be put on the table and someone says it's yours go take it and that go take it is the word that's commonly used throughout Old and New Testament. Many times in the New Testament it's translated as receive. But it means get up and take it. Seize it. It's not something forced upon you in your lap. And Well, that's your gift. It's your gift. Take it. It's yours. It has your name on it. Take it. So David, he, it's a he, David, strengthened himself in the Lord. He turned from his own emptiness to seize upon the great reservoir of divine strength and wisdom to which he, though forgotten for a moment, was united to. He intentionally turned from looking at himself and being the victim to looking into the covenant love commitment of this incredible Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. From the lie that droned inside of him that he was alone and abandoned without hope, he now turns and lays hold upon the truth of the covenant oath of god to him to say he's now with me and his strength is my strength and my weakness is swallowed in that strength see this wasn't a passing whim that david had you know i'll try this huh. you never try god it's not a passing whim this was a an active intentional response to the love that deep in his heart he knew, though everything happening around him seemed for the moment to contradict it. It was an intentional response to, to this love of God that called him from deep within and assured him He wasn't crying to an absent God. This isn't sending up an SOS and hope God the Coast Guard sees it. This is the God who is with me now and that's why I can seize upon him and shout it with joy. He is mine in this moment. I'm not trying to connect. I'm stepping into the connection God has already made. You get it? I'm awakening to who He is, and therefore who I am in Him. And the strength, the courage, the wisdom, the clarity, the light, the resolve, the courage, the confidence, the joy, and the peace all sprung from within where the Lord was his strength. Nothing to do with external sense appearances within. He sees everything now in perspective to the Lord who was one with him. He mentions this, mentions her, he declares it with a shout of triumph, in a number of the Psalms, in that expression that we've talked about so many times before, where he says, the Lord is my, and then he fill in the blank, my strength, my shield, he's the, my protection, my refuge, my strength, my strong tower, my shepherd, my light, my salvation, do you remember all those, the Lord is my, the Lord is my glory, and the lifter of my head, Think about it. I never tire of it. It's one of the great expressions of Scripture. The Lord, in the fullness of who He is, the fullness of who God is, every hue and radiance of His love, the Lord is, 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 most present micro-moment now is, the Lord is, my so all that the Lord is has effectively become my I seized upon God at his authority and permission seized upon him he is mine mine my whatever the moment depends. so it isn't you say think about this. It isn't that God gives you something. I mean, I could give you this pen. But once you've got it, well, that's the end of I mean, you've got the pen. God doesn't give gifts. He gives himself. It would be as if the Lord says, I am your pen. I, I cannot get an it. I cannot get a thing from God. For his gift is himself. The Lord is mine. David strengthened himself in the Lord. The Lord. Hmm. And I have to say it again. It happened so quickly. Do do you know what I mean? There's these words. They're all there. Despair. (sighs) Embittered. Distress. Weeping. I mean, it's a terrible bunch of words and then right there but David strengthened himself in the Lord I know this is so hard for those that have been raised to think that I've got to earn my way from such a situation You know, I've got to start a new regime of Bible reading. I've got to really, you know, buckle up now and make my promises and my consecrations and commitments and rededicate my rededications. Now this, and I mean this, this is a micro moment when the Holy Spirit awakens just a sliver enough has been said in this program for you to, that's it enough has been said, a sliver a word and there's a quickening within and you take it it's enough it's a moment the connection the bond it already is, I've, I take it lay hold of what is mine According to the truth of God, he's anchored in God. Yeah. Anchored in God. He took the gift. He's present to him who has always been present to him. And he obeys, that is, he listens now. I don't have time to go into how he went about that but it's a simple fact he now listens above the babble of voices the zoo of howls around him he listens now what are you up to Lord what do you want to do and he gets his answer his boldness his sudden return to leadership initiative know-how clarity of thought it was the lord in him but it was david drawing strength from the lord he acts boldly from from the union that he now knows within rather than spinning helplessly upon the currents of that energy field of despair of the events and the angry men around him and that strength flowed out of him the men recognized it and suddenly they're snapped out of their own despair they're ready to follow him just like they always had I want you to realize that the Holy Spirit who fills you, who is this union, do you remember in Acts chapter 2, it says when the Holy Spirit first came and joined to the humans, do you remember what it says? The Holy Spirit filled the place where they were sitting and then filled them. You might never have thought of this before, but the Holy Spirit Christ in you is not only in you, but also around you. He fills the place where you're sitting. I say it again, if this energy field of despair is so strong, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And therefore, for you just to show up in a room, for you to show up in the middle of the darkness and despair, you bring that presence of God. You bring the voice of sanity. You, you dispel the darkness. You infuse joy. That's who you are. You see, okay... We are in the better covenant. You can never read the Old Testament by itself. If you do, you, you'll have many unanswered questions because the Old Testament is what it is. It's the Old Testament and therefore at its highest and best it is pointing forward to the hope that we now know as Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit and from that posture from knowing that Jesus is risen and ascended and is Lord of all and through the Holy Spirit now lives in us now go back and read the Old Testament because now you will see what was a hope then which was the beginning of understanding then has now come to fullness we, we now live in the better covenant. We understand this salvation better than David ever did. We understand better than Isaiah, because what he prophesied of, we are. So please, if you thought what I've just said about David is amazing, well, you live in a better covenant a covenant that doesn't look forward but declares it is and it's finished and it's done not with the blood of animals as in the Old Testament but the blood of God himself Jesus and Jesus himself described this that we've been talking about in John chapter 14 and then chapter 15 and 16 and really it's the subject of his prayer in John 17 what's that? Union incredible I have to use that word it's it's amazing to read what Jesus described as ground level 101 normal this for this is what he died and rose again and ascended to achieve by the Holy Spirit being in us he said I will be in you. You will be in me. And that idea is, I will walk around in your, I'll have all the space of your life to share with you. And you will be in me. You will have access to all that I am. We will be in a bond that is closer than beside each other. We'll live out our lives inside of each other. So every circumstance that you are in, he says, I'm, I'm there in you. Everything that happens, I'm in you. I'm in you. It's my circumstance because we share it together. But at the same time, you are in me and all that I am, I, I give to you. You are a joint heir of my life. He says that, John chapter 14. And he says that in the day the Holy Spirit comes, in that day you will know that I, said Jesus, Jesus says, I am in the Father. That is That I am none other than God who has taken your humanity because I love you so much. And in that day, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will know intimately, personally, that I am in you and you are in me. Wow. So now I understand a little better Philippians chapter 4, is it verse 12, 13? where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the Greek language in which he wrote is very powerful there. Uh, Let me give you an extended idea of that. It says, I can do all things through Christ who infuses his strength with mine. Infusion of divine strength into me. So he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and the Amplified Bible I believe extends it to its fullest meaning he says that I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency can handle life for I'm living from the inner source that is so again Paul wrote I live yet not I it is Christ who lives his life in me the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, union. That is so. Then when the darkness seems to overtake you, and the hypnotic words of that darkness would seem to lull you into a fog, take hold, grasp, seize the is of your salvation which is now yours in Christ through the Holy Spirit seize it, grasp it Christ is my life against all feelings against all words go through my head I declare the truth Christ is my life Christ is my strength Christ is my wisdom Christ is my seeing Christ himself all that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, is now reproduced in me and you through the Holy Spirit. Grasp it. Seize it. It is yours. Stop this religious nonsense of sitting there like a bump on the log, saying, well, if God wants to, he can do it. Christ is in you. Seize that as reality. You are in Christ. Grasp that as final truth. Hurl its truth against the darkness and watch the darkness dissolve into shattered slivers. You say, that doesn't sound too humble. Oh, it does. That's humility. Again, you've got to understand what words mean humility is not you know the Pharisee I've been no good but I'm unworthy I'm unworthy oh God help me I'm no, it's got nothing to do with Christianity humility is seeing God as God is God and seeing yourself as you are because Christ has taken you into the heart of the Holy Trinity filled you with the spirit to make that a relational fact and humility says that is so that is who I am and I celebrate the action of God I celebrate his grace I celebrate the gift of himself by declaring who I am yeah that's humility humility is telling the ultimate truth that's why pride is so obnoxious for it's a total lie but humility is telling the truth and the truth is not groveling how can you grovel when you are the righteousness of God how can you grovel when your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit how can you grovel when Christ is your life how can you grovel when Jesus told you that the Father himself loves you and dwells within you through the Holy Spirit the whole Trinity lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit How dare you grovel? How dare you say, I'm not worthy? God has counted you worthy. He has bestowed on you a worth which is no other than the blood of Christ. He purchased you with that blood. And you see, this Holy Spirit of whom I speak, though you be born again but this morning, but you are just a baby Christian, though you have never understood, you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he loved you and he gave himself for you. Then let me tell you, you could only say that because the Holy Spirit was inspiring you too. Let me tell you that in saying that, you are declaring that the Holy Spirit dwells within you because the scripture says that if you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you you're not his and just to know that he loved me and gave himself for me you're declaring you're his therefore the Holy Spirit you may be totally ignorant of that you might have neglected the Holy Spirit but you couldn't put him off he's continued to work the very fact you're listening to me tonight is the Holy Spirit led you here Holy Spirit right now is opening your eyes that you might lay hold upon all that is yours in Christ and know the fullness of God's strength surging through you that you might be more than a conqueror a Christ in you person another blessing of God who is almighty love the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Open the eyes of your understanding. Flood your inner eyes with divine light that this night you shall see who you are in Christ who is in the Father that you might know this because the Spirit is in you and therefore Christ is in you and the Father is in you. Open our eyes that we might walk in your boldness and that we might dare to grasp and seize a hold on that which is ours. So I bless you, and so it is.